0: Disclaimer! The following series is currently out of print here in North America, so you may have to watch this series by other means. Should the series get a re-release on DVD or on streaming, it is your job as an anime fan to buy the physical release, watch it legally, and support the anime industry. And with that, on with the show. This is The Otaku Nate Show, episode 26. Haunted Junction. What's your function? What is up, anime fans? Otaku Nate here with another installment of the Otaku Nate Show, the anime podcast where we talk about anime that we want to talk about. Joining us this week is Justin Young. Heyo! And Eric Berg.
1: Good to be here.
0: And today we are going to be talking about Haunted Junction, released in 1997 by Studio Dean, based on a manga by Nemu Mukudori. The series was directed by Yuji Muto, perhaps most famous for directing a chunk of Crayon Shin-chan. And I can safely say that Haunted Junction is his best show because I looked at his resume and, um... Oof. His resume contains such wonderful shows like Arcade gamer Fubuki, Don't Leave Me Alone Daisy, widely considered one of the worst rom-coms ever made, and let's not forget everybody's favorite anime about time travel, Green Green. He also directed Corrector Yui, you know, that one magical girl show that aired on Cartoon Network for a hot minute. I swear, I saw advertisements for it on Cartoon Network, but it might be some sort of Mandela effect. I don't know. Of note, the writer for this was Satoru Nishizono, who also wrote for MUTO on Correctory Yui and Don't Leave Me Alone Daisy. He also wrote some not-so-good stuff like Needless and everybody's favorite installment in this series, Dot .hack, Legend of the Twilight Bracelet. But he also wrote some good stuff. He wrote some Digimon series, and wrote something that I reviewed a while back that I really enjoyed, Bigata HK. He also did the second Dr. Slump TV series, the Gonzo adaptation of Welcome to the NHK, and, I was shocked that he did this one, Mazen Kaiser. So with all the technical stuff out of the way, what is Haunted Junction about?
1: He smashed Scooby-Doo and Ghost Stories and a whole bunch of Japanese folklore into the same pot that's kind of what you get out the other end it's just kind of a fun comedy of of spirits and haunted and pretty good uh fair for october
2: i was gonna say you forgot the insane 90s aesthetic to go with it
1: it is very much of its time
2: yeah definitely very 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 of its time
0: unfortunately though there are no trains in this show even though it's called haunted junction and i don't know where that junction part came from because when i first saw that title haunted junction i thought that it was going to take place in a train yard
2: i kind of did too and then i did some digging i did a lot of digging and it turns out it's more of a uh it's kind of like a play on words in a sense because Junction but in train speak refers to the point at which two tracks meet. This show is the point at which a lot of stuff meets as we sort of as Eric sort of went through in the uh, opening and if you put it all together the Junction part makes sense. The Haunted part uh, there's there's like a tumbling Hanna barbara conga sound effect because i was like just put that there because i've i was like
0: "Eh?" so did any of you have did either of you know of this show before i brought it to your attention
1: i try to look at old stuff and i i try to peel back into some lesser known things but uh, your mention of this was the first i knew about it
2: I going to lie, I almost had to embrace, I almost had to uh, do the dance with the high seas when when I first heard of this, because I was like, uh, can't find this on uh, Netflix or Retro Crush, this is a problem.
0: Yeah, I'm lucky in that I got the DVD set for it, and unlike so many other old anime DVDs, this one you can get at a reasonable price. I first saw it on Anime News Network because on their old website in the bottom right corner, it would constantly shuffle you to a different review that they've done in the past. This is where I encountered some good titles and some not so good titles. But Haunted Junction intrigued me again because of its name and also because Anime News Network gave it good marks. And so I figured, eh, I've always been curious about this one and... I didn't intend to review this in October, during the Halloween season. It was just sort of a happy accident that things turned out this way. But having watched it, I'm kind of happy that I know that it exists, and yeah, it's a goofy little bit of fluff, but... I'm going to be honest, I can see why this show has been forgotten, and we'll get into that once we get to the primetime discussion, but as always, we started animation, and this was where Anime News Network was a bit harsh to it, because they said that *Haunted Junction has bad animation, or that its animation is incredibly stiff, and I look at that and I go, well duh, it's a comedy, animation isn't really a major factor or selling point for this stuff. This isn't a Sakuga user's wet dream. It's, you know, a slice of life comedy. What did you expect?
1: Um. Well, I actually was kind of pleasantly surprised by the quality of animation. Later on, they get a little bit more experimental. They have fun with a few different styles. You know, I'm not sure I would really quite agree with their, their premise there.
2: Well, first of all, Nate, thanks for thanks for actually shouting out one of the resources I used to look this show up. Second, actually, you kind of hit the nail on the head, actually, with the whole fact that comedy doesn't have doesn't really have the best animation. I mean, obviously, but also it's Bog Standard Ninety style, which is already it feels weirdly it feels weirdly um, controversial in a way. I'm going to explain it. like Based on my experience online and, and going to conventions recently, a lot of people are like, oh, I love old style anime and I want everything to look like that again. And then there are some people who who just the the natural sort of quirks of 90s animation will just bug the crap out of them. And so I tend to like go both ways. So I had to really think about this. And I kind of found it to be—it's like it's a very—it's a—it's a '90s animation version of something like um, I'm going to pick a two, 2010 show out of the air, like Sao or something like that. You know, it's not the—it's not the most defining stuff of its era, but it's not complete trash. You know what I mean?
0: This was a Studio Dean production. And I think it being by Studio Dean is gonna set off alarm bells for some casual fans in today's weeb scene, because people only ever know Studio Dean as that studio that took a dump all over Seven Deadly Sins' animation style. Which, seeing where Seven Deadly Sins is going in terms of animation,
2: <laughs> first of all, they killed my baby, and second of all. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good summary of where they're at. I their old stuff is either it's either too run of the mill or or in my experience it just flat out sucks. This is more of the former.
0: I think Dean gets a bum rap from fans, mostly because whenever they do something big or so-called mainstream, it doesn't look as good as the studio that did it before. And I think Dean, when given the right project can make something that looks visually palatable. I mean, they did Konosuba, and that does not feel like it's a Dean show.
2: That's definitely a good counter to the whole anti Dean narrative. I actually almost said Konosuba as my example, by the way.
1: They also did Ranma 1.5 episodes. It's not like they've never done anything of of importance, even in that decade.
2: Exactly. And even then, they're... I, like, actually, I tend to think their 90s output is, in my opinion, better than their 2000s output.
0: They did the You're Under Arrest TV series as well, so they were putting out some good stuff. Like, as I said, I'm willing to cut Dean some slack, because even if their animation for things like action shows aren't all that great, they're able to do some pretty good stuff when it comes to comedies, and there are some fun little experimental bits... Some fun scene transitions in Haunted Junction, as well as some nice little visual gags.
1: I understand why people would say it's not the highest class of 90s anime, but I would say it's significantly above average in terms of just the animation.
2: Yep, basically that's everything I was going to say.
0: Of note on staff is that the character designs, or at least the adaptations of them, were done by Atsuko Nakajima a woman who has been working in the industry for five decades now. One of the first things she did was that she was key animator on one of the final episodes of Urusei Yatsura in the 1980s. And she used her experience there to do character designs for things like Ranma One Half, Hakuoki. she did the character designs for You're Under Arrest, and went on to do Trinity Blood, Get Backers, character designs there, And you probably saw her most recently doing character designs for Komi Can't Communicate. Okay, I legit
2: didn't know that.
0: This is why you always check the credits, people. If there is one thing that I have learned as an anime fan, it's to always check the credits of certain people. It gives you a greater appreciation for the art and the artists behind it. So, I think we can now move on to the audio portion of the review. And I gotta say this now the opening slaps.
2: Yep, this is not a controversial opinion. YouTube agrees with you, and so shall I.
1: The 90s were very good for this sort of uh, catching this all get out BBMA opening.
0: I will say this right now, and I know it might be controversial to say this to some, the 90s, in my humble opinion, was the best decade for anime openings. This was the decade that gave us Tank, Smile Bomb, Moonlight Densetsu, Cruel Angels Thesis, Through the Night, Just Communication, my personal favorite of them all, Making a Cyborg from the Ghost in the Shell movie, Duvet from Serial Experiments Lane, and We Are from One Piece.
2: I was going to say that two out of, like, the Tank and Cruel Angel Seas have kind of been run into the ground, but actually, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to dispute that. I still love those songs, even if they all run into the ground.
0: In spite of all the overplay, they have earned their status as iconic songs in anime history. Now, you could argue the 70s were more significant because of the golden era of singers like Isao Sasaki, Ichiro Mizuki, and Mitsuko Horie. You can argue for the city pop sounds of the 80s, but to me, I love the 90s so much because of how much variety there was, and the opening for Haunted Junction makes me nostalgic for when all anime openings sounded like this—a sound that somebody in a Discord server I mod calls "math pop."
2: Yeah, <laughs> pretty. That's actually pretty on the nose. Actually, since the '70s, actually the '70s, based on my Voltus Five binge, they're cripplingly. It's like a lot of '70s music, todd in shadows. And go on this about this forever but it suffered a lot of in the 70s it was a crippling um case of either overproduction or just underproduction that would later get ironed out in prior decades but hey that's that's just my two cents on music
0: but like the math pop sound i refer to it's just a cacophony of things that shouldn't work But somehow they do. You've got the Eurodance beats, synthesizers, brass instruments, guitars, and absolutely booming vocals on these songs. It sounds like it should be terrible, like some overproduced prog song from the 80s. And yet it works. If you want to hear this sort of sound at its best, listen to The Power of Love from Master of Moskiton or Give a Reason from The Slayers, or to go on another Megumi Hayashibara song, Infinity from Lost Universe, which is really one of the only good things about that show.
2: Yep, 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 yep. Another absolute banger of 90s animation. This is the third show I've actually been on, where the opening I kind of like.
1: The fun part about the 90s is that there's none of these, even if it's not, a great show. There's none of the openings that you're gonna regret listening to.
0: And that's not to knock, like, the current anime scene, but I I feel that after a while, a lot of anime openings from the 2010s onward kind of start running together. Even if 90s anime openings may sound the same, they at least have different flavors to them. Yeah, I always kind of joke
1: about that a lot of even the best anime openings nowadays you will remember them, except by the time you're done running it through your head with the melody, you'll find yourself that you got into a different anime opening. Um, and that's definitely not something you're gonna do with stuff of this era.
2: Kinda said that one better myself, actually.
0: <laughs> so I may be nostalgic for openings from this time period. What I am not nostalgic for is the soundtrack itself. I don't miss anime soundtracks like this. You can say what you want about the synthesized symphonies that are anime soundtracks nowadays, but I don't miss this era where comedy anime had soundtracks that sounded like they were recorded on a cheap Casio. It reminds me
1: of some of the old like Disney afternoon shows in the early 90s where they had five sound effects and five little melodies that just made up the entirety of the soundtrack and repeat in in various, you know, they might change the order, but that was about it.
0: Dexter's Laboratory was also sort of guilty of this, but in this case, what they did was they layered the MIDI instruments on top of each other so they had a more symphonic sound rather than having a synthetic sound.
2: Mm, That's one way to put that. Um, I was going to say that, number one, this has become painfully clear watching live action. Prior decade, they'd synthesized soundtracks better. That's the and I love synthesizers in anime. It's one of the things I loved about Bubblegum Crisis. But it's hard. It's hard to explain. Like if something like this were attempted decades later, using mostly synthesizers, it would slap. If someone made a modern anime with using. Even deliberately archaic sound synthesizer music, I would love it. But by the 90s, I think this was starting to get a little played out. And phoned in even by Laugh Track Dean standards, (laughs) haha.
0: The 80s was pretty much the decade for synth music. But as we go into the 90s, it really did feel sort of tired and played out. And it's weird because the guy who composed the music for this, a guy named Hayato Matsuo, he's done some music for some pretty good shows of note. He did the music for Ray Earth, The World God Only Knows, uh, the music for Helsing Ultimate, and recently did the music for Drifters. So he is capable of producing a good soundtrack, just not here.
1: Yeah.
2: Um I was gonna say no drifters. Drifters is also it's modern show that hey throwback vibe so that kind of works but yeah definitely um at this point it's weird it's hard to describe but synth music i lost its touch by the 90s i'm starting to sound like a very (laughs) heavy synthwave fan which i am
0: synth can work but it all depends on how you use it it was great in the 80s when synths were the norm but here you can really tell that it was recorded on a shoestring budget and bad synth soundtracks just sound cheap. It because... also just
1: wasn't the style at the time to to have real elaborate soundtracks. You know, we all think back to Cowboy Bebop, but that was the exception, not the rule.
0: Actually, you'd be surprised at how many anime from the 90s had really good sweeping orchestral soundtracks. When you had the likes of Akira Senju and Shiro Sagisu and Kohei Tanaka running around doing some excellent, excellent work. Haunted Junction, meanwhile, just gets kind of the short end of the stick like so many others at the time.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think it feels more like a, almost like an early 2000s in terms of the soundtrack that doesn't have much going for it.
0: And with that, let's move on to voice acting, and I'll try to get through this as fast as I can. It's funny, because the main three, though, their voice actors aren't really that notable in the grander scheme of things compared to the supporting cast. Our main hero, Haruto, is voiced by Katsuki Arima, who records under the pseudonym of Yusei Oda. He is perhaps only really notable for being Kengo Miyazawa in Little Busters. Yukie Nakama plays Mutsuki. She's actually more famous as a live-action actress, as she plays Kumiko in the live-action Gokusen series. Shinosuke Furumoto plays the spirit medium Kazumi. He is Ryo in Urusei Yatsura, Glasa Glassa in Sorcerer Hunters, and the titular Junkers in the forgotten anime movie Junkers Come Here, which pretty much became a meme from Mike Tool for its infamously bad American box art, which is the titular dog sitting in the middle of an alleyway with a speech bubble that reads, Call me Junkers. And it's a shame because that movie is actually pretty good. The supporting cast, meanwhile, is where we get the big guns. Takeshi Aono plays the chairman. He is Shiro Sanada in Space Battleship Yamato. Kamisama and King Piccolo in Dragon Ball Z. He is Nobuyuki Masaki, that's Tenchi's father, in the Tenchi Muyo series. Daimaru Nakajima in You're Under Arrest. Old Man Mole in Redline, one of his last roles and he is Colonel Roy Mustang in the Metal Gear Solid series, and the longtime voice of Dr. Wily from Mega Man. Red Mantle is voiced by Ryotaru Okiayu. He is Byakuya in Bleach, Kunimitsu Tezuka in Prince of Tennis, Akio Furukawa in Clanad, Dark Mousy in D.N. angel Isaac Ray Pelham Westcott in Data Live, and for video game roles, he is Zero in the Mega Man X series, Terra in Kingdom Hearts, and multiple characters in the Warriors games. And if I were to list all of them, this segment would drag on longer than I would want it to. Mariko Koda plays Hanako-chan. She is Yoshino Shimazu in Maria Watches Over Us, Luna in Gravion, Porun in the Pretty Cure series, and Athena Asamiya in in The King of Fighters. Yuri Shiratori plays the kid character Nino, Mokana in Ray Earth, Cherry in Saber Marionette J, and Yukina in Yu Yu Hakusho. No dub for this, though. What are your thoughts? What are, you, what are your takes on that?
2: Number one, boom, no dub. This show, as mid as it is, could have benefited from that. And also, it would have made watching this late at night possibly... After a few adult beverages, even more entertaining. Getting that out of the way. Pleasantly impressed by... I kind of like it, but also it's... I don't know if it's just the... Well, I ended up watching this on YouTube, so forgive me. It may have been the... I don't know if it was the upload quality or, or what, but it's like... And the, the audio ended up being rather messy for me, so... It's, I feel like it, it, it's working, but obviously for me, my my impression is going to be tainted by the quality. Even then, I actually think the I think keeping it undub it worked a little bit, but also it I don't know. I feel like something was. I feel like could this could have been this would have the crap pushed out of it if it were done today, not in like a dub in the '90s. And that's pretty much my two cents so far.
1: I I don't ever expect lightning to strike twice, but there's a part of me that wishes it got probably not like a full on ghost stories treatment, but a little bit of that comedy dubs tend to work pretty well because the inflection and some of the jokes can be localized in the wordplay. And And this felt like one that, that would have done well with a dub. Having said that the, the sub worked fine and, you know, they actually communicate a lot of the humor through it. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for a, a little bit of that tub that went a little further, especially given that even the jokes in the original were were pretty fun at times.
2: Yeah, exactly. You can, There's a lot of jokes where I where the visuals and the, the vocal work works with the visuals to produce a really... It's it's a weird... It's a beautiful hybrid of both visual comedy and, and verbal comedy. And, yeah, it probably could have gotten a Ghost Story-style hook because, frankly, this is the kind of show that would lend itself to it. I mean, like we say, it's got... It had animation holes. It's very visual. And also, has just enough context to sort of be to where you could trail off, but also come back to certain character beats. Like how in Ghost Stories, they literally just made a bunch of 2000s references, but also still were able to... You still got the gist. You, saw, you knew what was going on, even if it was basically C-Lab, but anime. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you wouldn't have had to go quite that far, but especially with characters like everything from a giant to skeletons to you know a guy wearing a mask all the time, it, it invites itself to be able to ad lib a little bit because there's less lip flaps to match, and and, and you can get a little more creative with it, which would have worked pretty well, I think.
2: I was gonna say it has this show has wacky lip flaps, which coming from a voice acting perspective. It's it's a lot of fun because this is sort of try to find those extra sounds or or just go, Oh, what if I do I'm just gonna try this, this take. Yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty fun from a voice actor perspective. Um I, actually you can kinda of tell the cast they're having quite a bit of fun with this at times, which I really appreciate.
0: I just find it strange because this was released at a time where everything got an English dub. No matter how good or how bad a show was, no matter how little of a chance it had of gaining traction, here in America, everything got a dub.
2: What's old is now new again.
0: Well, the thing is that we still get a lot of dubs nowadays, but companies tend to be more selective about what gets dubbed. I mean, we still don't have dubs for things like A Place Further Than the Universe, Witchcraft Works, and much to the chagrin of Marissa Lenti, as she has opined on Twitter, no dub for Birdie Wing.
1: Yeah, once it gets far enough out, it it feels like it's pretty hope is over for dubs nowadays. Unlike in the past where there was just an assumption. Blame a- streaming.
0: Of note is that in the credits... Bandai says that this was done in association with Ocean Studios. I don't know what happened there. I'm guessing Ocean intended to dub it, but Bandai said no, or there was just some sort of production issue. I don't know what happened. But it said that they worked with Ocean Studios on this for production. I don't know where that credit came from.
2: I've heard... i actually had... Seen these phantom dub credits for certain shows. Usually it's for old, it's for a bunch of old distributors like on who are no longer around. And weirdly enough, one of them was actually Sentai Filmworks of all people who did this mistake. But if I had to guess, I'm, because it's the 90s, I'm going to say they probably lost the assets at some point. <laughs> Except I'm going to tell myself.
0: I'd have to ask Ken Iodomi about that one, but I think that's it. We've talked so much about the aesthetics that I don't know if we're going to have that much to say about Haunted Junction as a whole, because I stated that Haunted Junction is understandably forgotten. Now, to me, there's a difference between something that is justly forgotten versus understandably forgotten. Something that is justly forgotten means that the show doesn't have any artistic merit or it's out and out bad. People don't remember this and for good reason. Understandably forgotten, meanwhile, is something I feel that is forgotten. Nobody would fault you if it was forgotten. I'm
2: gonna put this in in the see unjustifiably forgotten. See serviceable comedy that while it, it's, it's both something that kind of, it's hard to describe, it's definitely a, it's like a journeyman player in the NFL. Ever given a shot to succeed, but also, okay, he's not going to light the world on fire, but given the right team to build around, could have been something big, you know what I mean?
1: If it had nailed the quality... At least in my opinion, I thought it got a lot better as it went on. And so if it could have nailed the quality in the back half, um, I could see people being like, eh, I'm not sure it was really justifiable to forget this thing. But taken as a whole, I, I'm not surprised, nor am I going to be running out telling everybody they have to see this old gem. It's It's fun for what it is, but it's not, you know a diamond in the rough as much as it's enjoyable for what it is.
0: Yeah, because basically every episode of The Haunted Junction features our three main characters, Haruto, who is an exorcist, Mutsuki, a Shinto priestess, and Kazumi, who's a spirit medium, taking on various spirits or odd jobs within their school or other schools that are so-called haunted. They are also accompanied by a series of spirits. The chairman of the school who is a ghost, Kanako, literally mirror girl, a skeleton and and slim good body mannequin thingy. I I don't know their names and I don't care, to be honest.
2: (laughs) Well put.
0: A tuxedo mask XP named Red Mantle, and toilet-bound Hanako-kun. Or I should say Hanako-chan. I actually did look this up and apparently... The story of Toilet-Bound Hanako is a very common urban legend, and the gender of Hanako changes depending on the location and who is telling the story. Sometimes Hanako is a boy, sometimes Hanako is a girl. And in this case, Hanako is a girl. And this isn't the first anime to feature a Toilet-Bound Hanako. Gekage no Kitaro, the biggest yokai anime of them all, did it first. Oh, and I almost forgot they have a giant who is basically just a pair of legs. So, it's basically the spin-off of Mom and Dad from Cow and Chicken. I figured it
1: might have been a send-up to the old Monty Python cartoons where it's just a foot coming in from time to time.
0: They make that reference no. in the show! At the end of one of the episodes, they do the Monty Python foot gag. Unfortunately, there's no fart sound effect to go with it.
1: I mean, I do have to hand it to it. It's a kind of a creative idea that basically these are the all-star spirits of of all the different schools, because at various times they established they've been like, collected as as the best of the best and the most interesting by the chairman, because this is the school that's basically in the Bermuda Triangle of spirits. Pretty
2: much what I was going to say. Although, you all can't see this right now. I was actually just doing a fist bump. I was like, yes, finally someone else besides me noticed the Monty Python stuff.
0: I was waiting for them to make that joke, and indeed, they did. I think also, I like the chemistry between our three main characters. This is the third show in a row now where I am reviewing a show that features a trio of sorts, and I love that right away we get that Haruto is the student council president that does not want to be the student council president. Right? Because in every other high school anime, the student council is treated as this big deal that has the final say in everything. But here it's just, we have a president who didn't even want the job. And I think that's a little fun way to subvert expectations.
2: Something that i kind of waiting to make a comeback, honestly. It's like Days of Thunder. You've hit everything but the pace car at this point, sometimes with modern writing. It's an idea that really hoping we'll eventually make a comeback, honestly.
1: And also, and I, I don't want to spoil it, because actually I think the last two or three episodes are definitely the best of the series, but it's also just kind of fun how they play with his original character, of kind of the unwilling guy, and then he has to, in one of the few character developments in the entire series, has to kind of deal with that and, and, and how it really reflects upon where he's at in the school.
0: It's little things like that that make Haruto a more nuanced character than he is. And also, we get to meet his father. We <laughs> do. And, unlike so many other dads in anime, Haruto's dad, as flamboyant as he is, is actually kind of a cool guy.
1: Yeah, totally, I agree. It's very intersectional in a religious way, oddly enough. Um, and, and yet it works really well, um, which was not something I would have necessarily expected from a setup of three characters where the religions almost remind you of a walks into a bar joke. True,
2: actually. You'd think that this would be a lot more ham-fisted than it ends up being, but uh, I didn't think it was very ham-fisted or, dare I say, disrespectful to one religion over the other, To I actually really appreciate.
0: We also have uh, Mutsuki, who kind of clashes with him. What did you guys think of Mutsuki? I think she's a nice middle balance between the reluctant asshole of Haruto and the more happy-go-lucky pervert of Kazumi.
1: I mean, she's a character of the time. And what that means is that there's a lot of good stuff and there's some stuff that gets way overplayed um, with her Adoration of Nino and all that, um, but she she is a fun foil, and I think that does get back to the fact that the three mains carry this, and then you've got just enough of the supporting cast to to keep it rolling along in in its wackiness. Yeah,
2: she ain't no nobara kugasaki that's for sure. But also, I'm wanting to cut everyone some slack because I. Frankly, I didn't really... i also admit, I didn't, I didn't go in expecting that, to be honest with you. And for what I expected, I'm glad I'm glad was what we got. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, Mutsky has a Shota complex, and that, um... For those who may not be familiar with this, Mutsky likes little boys.
1: You know, to me, we're 25 years off of this, so there's something to a quarter century... There's times when it even from its time period that it works and the comedy around that works and the comeuppance works, there's times when it doesn't. The idea that she has a vacuum sealer for shorts was really funny. And so as long as you give it some forgiveness, it's, it's not too bad. But I can understand if folks thought it was over the top because it it's the worst part of her character at times.
0: It's iffy, but I've seen worse examples of this. It doesn't cross into any no-go zones at times, like, say, Shoda and Lukoa from Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which, you know, like that show, or, oh, I don't know, Cataleya and Rana from Queen's Blade.
2: I was gonna say that I'm kind of metagaming with this show a little bit, but I think, I think we've gotten so much worse when it comes to Shota content. This was just comical in execution. It it gets the point across, but it's also just comically insane and just bug nuts to the point where it almost, almost takes some stuff out of it. It kind of still requires a a suspension of a suspension of disbelief to an extent, but also it's like there's so much more worse examples of Shota content that i i'm kind of almost willing to give the show a pass you know what i mean
1: i think what makes me not you know i i think things like this can go over the edge i think what makes this work is one that they kind of constantly remind you that a there's a spirit or that like this guy's made a stone or like there's always a punchline, and I think that's where, honestly, this does this trope better than something like Dragon's Made, where there's not always a punchline, there's just uncomfortableness sitting there. And they did a really good job of being like, no, it's a joke. Get it.
2: Exactly. Also, I was also going to say that another thing that adds to it that I actually I almost forgot was it. this show hits you over the head with so many other things that after a while, it's... It just hits you one joke after the other after the other. So that one starts repeating that one part. It doesn't feel very... It, think about it this way. it's It kind of sticks to that, but also changes it up every now and then to keep you on your toes. How's that?
1: I do just want to mention on the whole running joke thing. This show did running jokes in such a good way. It was one of the things where I would say is, like, worth watching, because some of these things you just can't believe they can keep going to the well and make you laugh. Yeah, my thoughts exactly.
0: Her Shota Complex didn't bother me too much because the show is at least aware that her obsession with underage boys is creepy and not something that she should be flexing about publicly.
1: Exactly. It's the fact Mm -hmm. that everyone else is uncomfortable with it, too, that makes it work.
0: And I think the last one, Kazumi, is a good Joker character because the running gag with him is that he gets possessed by demons, and each time he gets possessed, I got a good chuckle out of it. And it's mostly because whenever he he pervs out, he gets his comeuppance. The funniest joke in the whole show involves him going after uh, Hanako-chan, but uh, I don't want to spoil the punchline to that one.
2: Yeah, Nate, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with my thoughts. Because even thinking it caused me right now is actually, I'm trying not to just bust out laughing randomly.
1: (laughs) I really enjoyed his whole thing in the library because um, getting a comeuppance from an old philosopher who just wants people to read his work um, (laughs) was was brilliant.
0: I forgot that episode. That's brilliant. Like, he's the equivalent of that gag from The Critic, where of that jay sherman cardboard standee that just says buy my book buy my book buy my book also
1: i think the time i laughed the hardest in the anime was when mino was like debating deism and judaism with the philosopher i just i was pretty impressed that we're gonna go that far down like a tangent just to get a laugh because it was a good one
0: and it's handled quite well and yeah there's a lot of stuff that this show does well but i don't think it has enough to stick out in a crowd especially when there were other better comedies that came out in the 90s and that includes some that were made by dean they were the studio that gave us both ranma one half and you're under arrest and both of those shows are remembered far more fondly than haunted junction is
2: yep pretty much my thoughts exactly right there at the end of the day that is i can't argue with that
0: and of course since then there have been other high school shows that have dealt with the supernatural there's ghost hunt and the non-dubbed version of ghost stories but the show that i compare haunted junction to is one that i feel is genuinely unfairly forgotten and it's something that was coming out at or around the same time as Haunted Junction, a little OAV and later TV series called Magic Users Club. Believe
2: it or not, that was exactly what I was thinking of when I started watching the show. This is Magic Users Club before Magic Users Club, which is also another shame why I didn't get dubbed.
1: It's funny because every once in a while in the show, it would just like, the way the humor strikes and the way some of the absolutely blatant references come out. It almost reminded me a little bit of, like, Excel Saga, just with some of their, like, we're just going to do Sailor Moon for a minute. Enjoy. And so that was kind of fun.
2: I did forget to actually add this in the animation part, but, you know, it's kind of, the more you look at it, it's kind of weird, but out of the character designs of this show, there's a little bit of Excel Saga in there, now that you pointed it out.
0: As far as I know, Atsuko Nakajima did not work on Excel Saga. Although, the design work is very similar between Koshi Rikudo and Nemu Mukudori. I wouldn't be surprised if the two worked uh, near each other.
2: Exactly.
0: But I brought up Magic Users Club because that, too, is a similar sort of show. A group of teenagers that form a club centered around the supernatural, in this case, magic, instead of spirits, and it's all about their wacky escapades. But between the two shows, Magic Users Club is leaps and bounds above Haunted Junction, because the characters are a lot more memorable, it has a cohesive story arc, and some excellent direction courtesy of Junichi Sato, the first director of Sailor Moon, and would go on to direct such acclaimed shows like Pre-Tier, Aria the Animation, and perhaps one of the best anime of the 2000s, Princess Tutu. But on the whole, I feel that Haunted Junction is at least worth a watch, but not something I would actively say, yeah, go out and seek it out. Because, honestly, it's just sort of... It's above average, at best.
2: I'm going to put it as a low-tier... I had to to invent this for this. I'm It's a kind of a starter... Pizza and beer night anime, you know? It's something you want to put on if you want to watch something you If you want to watch something unique, preferably while eating pizza and beer, I may or may not have that on the brain while saying this, then definitely I would, would give this one a watch. Just something you can watch the late night and go, Oh, that was fun. But uh, if we had a little impromptu anime night, it's a good little starter show for that my opinion
1: yeah i would the one thing i would say that does put it to something that i would recommend somebody try an episode or two of is that some of the side characters are just absolutely so much fun uh red mantle ends up being part of the direction because he's doing red mantle wipes um between scenes was one of my favorites and so like you know, I'm not sure I would tell someone go out and watch twelve episodes of it. But especially this time of year, especially if you're somebody who, you know, wishes there was most more ghost stories running around or something, it's definitely worth an episode or two because it is fun. And I guess I would probably recommend the pool episode because the idea of a lane that swallows up everything in existence is far too much fun.
2: Yeah. Amen to that.
0: Yeah, I would say it's worth a passing glance, but not something you should actively seek out. There are better shows and better anime to watch on Halloween. Haunted Junction sort of sits on a lower tier. It's still good, but it's just simply good, not great.
1: You can see why it was lost to the sands of time, but you can also still see why people have some nostalgia to it, because you certainly don't waste your time watching it.
0: And hey, if you like 90s anime aesthetics, yo, check this out.
1: Yeah, I have another one actually who I could
2: recommend this to, now that, I th- now that I think about it.
0: And with that, I think we've pretty much said everything we want to say about Haunted Junction. A decent little late 90s series, but also one that has understandably fallen by the wayside. If you want a little horror comedy, I say, yeah, sure, go for it. But... Eh, it's just fine, is all I can say. Unfortunately, as we stated in the disclaimer, it is no longer in print. It went out of print many, many moons ago after Bandai folded up. But thankfully, you can get the DVDs at a reasonable price. Last I checked, they're on sale for at or around $20. So if you want a bite... Go on ahead. Knock yourself out.
2: Yep. You can probably find us actually. You might be able to find us occasionally at
1: cons. I wouldn't feel gypped for 20 bucks for this.
0: You get exactly what you pay for. Exactly. And with that, I think we are done. Before we go, though, I do want to announce that I will be going to Anime Weekend Atlanta on October 28th to the 30th, and I'm going to be doing four panels. I've got three panels on Friday that weekend. My Satoshi Kon panel, which is at 9 a.m. on Friday. My American Anime Bubble panel, that is at 11.30 a.m. My Black Lagoon panel, which is 8.30 p.m. And my only Saturday panel, I will be doing my History of the OAV panel at 11.30 a.m. If you wanna catch me, I'm going to be pretty much the only one wearing a hockey jersey that weekend. Which one, though, I won't say. I got a whole collection of them, and I kind of like to change it up every now and again. So, I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you like the show, please be sure to give us a like, follow us, leave us a review, do whatever you want to help promote the show. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, at NateTendoWii. You can follow me on Twitter, at OtakuNateShow, and we are also on Facebook as well. Next time, though, I'm still in kind of a Halloween mood, and whether I get this one out on Halloween or after it, I don't care, because I want a really good horror anime, and uh, we're going to be looking at a truly forgotten gem of a show. And if Haunted Junction is a show that is understandably forgotten, we've got a bit of a diamond in the rough that deserves to be well known as we take a look at the 2003 horror series Requiem from the Darkness. So until then, this is Otaku Nate.
2: This is Justin Young. This
0: is Eric Bird. And we're signing off and saying OH MY GOD!